probably not a fun sermon, but it was one on death, you know. And it's sermons that we need to hear about death, you know, what happens to us as believers, what happens to those who are going to be in the tribulation, what happens to those when the tribulation is over, what happens to all those in the Old Testament and where they're going to be and when they're going to go, what's going to happen with all the uh, unregenerate or the unbelievers and where they're going to be in heaven and, and, uh, and at first. And, uh, and so, you know, it's just some things that we need to understand, and I pray that if you have not seen any of these, you can go on our website at b3hillschurch.com. Danny has so just put it in order from the very first one all the way to the present day. He's done such a wonderful job for uh, what he's done, and I appreciate those that are at home, and you can watch it online, and I pray that the Lord of uh, Jesus Christ just touches your heart right where you're sitting, right there, and that you just meet him right there where you're at, and your living room becomes, or some bedroom, wherever you're watching it from, becomes a a uh, little sanctuary for you. And so I just thank the Lord for that. But but last week we finished talking about death and then all and then what that what that looks like for all of us in the future and the appearance of the Lamb of God in his millennial reign. We talked about that last week. We also ended, listen, by reducing all religions of the world to what? To two. That's the way we ended last week. Reducing all the religions down to two. Right? Here are the two religions, in case you didn't get it. The first one is human achievement. It doesn't matter what denomination, doesn't matter what ism that you are, Buddhism, Hinduism, doesn't matter. All religions come down to two. Just there's two religions in the world. And this one is human achievement. It's about works, 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 works. People try to earn their way to heaven. Listen, my friend, the Bible teaches you will never earn your way to heaven. You can't. The whole purpose and the point of the cross was to show us that we cannot earn our way to heaven. It comes through the sacrificial death of the perfect Lamb of God to take away all of our sin in the world. Amen. And He died to save our souls because we're sin tarnished. We're sin stained. We were born into sin. We can't remove it. We have no ability to remove our sin. And so it's just something for us to think about. But the second religion in the world is divine accomplishment. And that is salvation by His work on the cross. There's only salvation one way, and it's by Jesus' work on the cross. And the blood that he shed, he, he, uh, the blood that he shed for each and every one of us. Listen, allowing God to truly lead our life. Does God lead your life this morning? I pray that he does this morning. I skipped over a few verses last week, right? And so I want to address them this morning uh, in the chapter 20 of the book of Revelation. And I, I don't want us to miss it, so if you want to go to uh, Revelation chapter 20, and we'll pick up in verse 7, uh, the ones that I skipped over last week. Uh, listen, but we need not to dismiss the scripture concerning Satan's release at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. There's a thousand years, is a long time. Listen, think about it. In a utopian type of environment, yet still many will turn their backs on Jesus, even as he rules and reigns from his glorious kingdom and seat in Jerusalem. It's amazing. Folks, we serve the most gracious God ever. Amen. He gives us opportunity among opportunities full of rich mercy and he's full of rich truth. He is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So let's read together in verse 7 in Revelation 20. He said, when a thousand years are completed, it says that Satan will be released from his prison. Now remember, Satan and his minions have been incarcerated for an entire thousand years. And you wonder why God let him out. You ever wonder why, God, why did you let him out? 
He has a part. There's a plan. And God has a perfect eternal plan. And I believe we will see it right here. Why? Because during this thousand year reign, uh, they could not, the minions and Satan could not interfere with what was going on in the world. They were locked up for those thousand years. Locked up until that time was over. But in the end, Satan is released. And this is what he is released for, to lead his final, get this final rebellion of sinners to their doom. In the millennial reign, there's going to be people that are going to be lost. You may not realize that. When it starts, it's going to be different. It's going to be all redeemed. But listen, for a thousand years, people are going to be born. And when they're born, they're going to be born depraved. They're going to be lost, and they're going to need Jesus Christ to save their soul. Yes, people will be lost. This sinful nature will still be passed to their children. The redeemed will pass the sinful nature to their children during this time. Each generation born in this thousand-year reign, listen, of Christ will be born first to sinners needing a Savior. Why? Because they have a sinful nature. They have a sinful nature. So even with Christ ruling and reigning because of sin nature, of every child born, sin will still rule the hearts of the unregenerate in this realm of living. This is why Satan was bound for a thousand years and will be released. And he's going to bring everything to a head in its finality here. Listen, they will need Jesus to sacrifice it, to be sacrificed in their lives. Listen, there will be many sinners during this time who refuse the grace of God on this time. And their lives living in outright rebellion. Satan loose will bring to the surface all the sin and rebellion left in the universe, in the world. God's ultimate justice will prevail over all of them. Amazingly, Satan's incarceration does not alter his nature nor character while in prison in the abyss. Well, listen, when he is released, he will continue his final act of rebellion against God. So Satan is released from prison. Now let's read on and you'll see it here. You'll see it here. And it will come out. And, and, and he will come out, right, to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth. He says, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand in the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth that surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved cities. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. See, Satan comes and deceives the nations of the earth again, once he's released. We see that people will love their sin more than they love the perfect reign of this utopian state during the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. And it is so, so sad when we think about it. Listen, when we listen, but when Satan, but Satan will succeed at his revolt. And these, uh, with these lost humans, although some also will be saved, listen, there will be people, lots of people saved in this millennial reign, but there's going to be a lot of loss. But this also fits into God's purpose for his system of justice in the lost world. He will also, he will destroy and annihilate every rebel worldwide. They are all under the sovereign control of Almighty God. Satan will collect the nations of the world's rebels from the four corners of the globe. John calls them Gog and Magog, naming them after the invasion force that will assault Israel during the tribulation period. Remember in Ezekiel 38 and 39. 
The name Gog is a general title for an enemy of God's people. Or it's the name of the human leader of Satan's forces. Not really sure. Some believe Magog, listen to this, are the descendants of Noah. You know that? Of Noah's grandson of the same name. Genesis 10.2 says the sons of Japheth were Gomer and who? Magog. Whomever these people are, they are sinful rebels from all nations who will gather for that final war in human history. These forces will come up in the broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints in Jerusalem where the saints will enjoy their time with Jesus and then the attack will come. Yet, and hear me this morning, like Armageddon a thousand years earlier, Revelation 19, 11, 21, this battle will be an execution of rebels. This is going to be the final thing. This is the final judgment right here that we're seeing. Instantly they will be exterminated, physically killed, and their souls will be banished to eternal realm of punishment, awaiting their final sentencing to eternal hell, which we talked about last week with the great white throne. The devil and all his demons and every unbelieving rebel will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Listen, folks, this is by their own choice forever and ever. God never sends anybody to hell, ever. For he doesn't provide a way of escape for every single person on the planet through the cross. Only through the cross. You might think that's narrow-minded. Amen, it is. Jesus sent his only begotten son for us to die on a tree that we would believe in him and be saved. He wants all of us to be saved. All of us. Listen to Matthew 25. Listen, by the truth, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 2 Thessalonians 1.9. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The destruction of the wicked in hell is for all eternity. It's forever. It's not for a short time, but it's for a forever time. But listen, believers are already citizens of God's great kingdom. Are you a citizen of God's great kingdom this morning? Amen. Amen. I hope so. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is where? It's in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for what? For a Savior, right? To take us home. The Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.13 says, for he rescued us from the what? The domain of darkness. Hallelujah, right? And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, he said, Blessed be God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. <clears throat> now let's go on to everything new. Turn to chapter 21. Right? So these are all these things that have taken place. The thousand year reign is over. It's a done deal. We talked about it last week and we talked about it a little bit here this morning as far as what's going to happen with Satan and his minions, right? Now I want you to look forward. The punishment has come. It's over. And look at chapter 21. 
question for you. How many of you have ever just thought about heaven and what it will be like? Man, you think about it? You know, our little old peon minds, we can't even wrap around one one percent of what heaven is going to be like. You know what I mean? Listen, after today, when we go through this, the rest of the book of Revelation, uh, I think it's going to blow your mind like it blew John's mind. It blew his mind. In fact, in fact, it turned his attention away from what he was supposed to be doing. And God was telling him, write this down! It's faithful and it's true. Because he was someone off. And we'll see that as we go here. You know, as believers, listen, I think about it. Is it just me? You ever feel like you don't belong here? Come on. I'm going to tell you right now. Sometimes, I do. I feel that way. I feel like an alien and a foreigner in the world. You know, I try to live my life for Jesus. I, I surrender to his will. I try to walk in fellowship with him every day. I won't say I always succeed in doing the right thing. You know, we all fall at times. But you know what? There, but there's a part of me, as each year's pass, as the days go on, I feel less and less a part of this world. I hope that, I hope that you feel that way. I think that's a good indicator for each and every one of us, right? Our church, listen, our churches in general, sadly, have become very worldly. A lot of our churches have become really worldly. And so many times, listen, you think about what we want. We want instant gratification, material comfort, and what makes me feel good or want. Am I right? Amen. Sometimes in our church we do the same thing, right? We do. But listen to what the Apostle Paul writes as to how we must prioritize what our life is really all about. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking, what? The things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, Set your mind on the things above and on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He underscore that. With Christ in God, your life is hidden. And then he says this, When Christ, and I want you to say this with me, who is our life? That's key. That's a key phrase for all of us. Because you have to ask yourself your question. Listen, if you are a born-again believer, then who is your life? Come on. Is Jesus your life? I mean, he says it right here. He says it right there, plain English. Of course, back in Greek back then. So here it is, right? When Christ, who is our life? You've got to ask yourself, is Christ your life? Is he really your life? Is Christ is, he says, if Christ is your life, is revealed, he says, then you also will be what? Revealed in heaven glory. So if Christ is not your life, are you going to be revealed in heaven glory? I would say the opposite would be definitely true. You, you won't be with him in glory if Christ is not your life. See, that's the whole point of being on planet Earth. Amen. The whole point that we're here, we're here for such a short time. And we're here to know Jesus Christ and to make him famous to the world, to bring glory to Jehovah God, to bring glory to Yahweh, Elohim, to bring glory to him in our very life. And everything that we do, we're here to bring glory 
to our Creator, our Sustainer, our Life Giver, our Life Taker. Bring glory to Him. And so we need to keep seeking for things above, He says here. Seek for things above. Set your minds and hearts on things above, not here. Why? James 4.14 says, You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You can probably say today. In the next hour. Or the next five hours. You don't know what your life is going to be like today. Or tomorrow. And then he says, You are just a what? A vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And I want you to get this. I'm going to kind of put it in a perspective maybe to help you realize this. If you look on this side of the pulpit and you go this direction, right? And you go, eternity is how long? How long is eternity? Like I can keep walking, right? As far as the east is from the west, right? I can circumnavigate the globe and come back over here on this side. It's still going east. And it never ends. Eternity never ends. Never ends. Eternity passed. Look on this side of eternity, future. How long does it? How long does it go? It goes on and on and on and on and on and on. I used to have a rope that I would show with this. Who find it? So this is the way it So eternity goes forever, right? So if you got eternity in the past that goes forever and ever, right? And then you got eternity in the future that goes forever and ever and ever. What do you have right in the middle of both eternity, past, and future? The present. Time and space. Right here where I stand, time and space. Think about this. And the more the time and space continues to go out in the future and the past, the more that it goes, look at my pulpit, it starts decreasing. It starts decreasing. This life decreases. This life decreases. This life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. To make you wonder, how does this life even exist compared to eternity and future and eternity and the past? It's because God ordained God is, listen, is the God of time and space who lives out of time and space. He created time and space for his glory. He created it for us to bring him glory. But also for us to be saved. He wants you to be saved. He doesn't want you to mince what I'm fixing to talk about here. Listen, church, all this world has to offer all, listen, the glitz and the glamour cannot even compare or hold a candle to all that God has prepared for those that love him and endure to the very end. Amen? Amen. As we see, we, listen, as we see, listen, heaven is mentioned more than five the scriptures. Right here in the book of Revelation, listen, it's mentioned 50 times alone. You know, the Bible tells us about three distinct heavens. You know there are three heavens? Apostle Paul wrote, said three this 12 too, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a man. He said, he said I was caught up in the what? In the third heaven. I believe Apostle Paul is talking about himself right here. But he doesn't want to give any kind of credit or any focus on himself. But he was caught up into a third heaven. Listen, the first heaven is earth's atmosphere. Look at Genesis 1.20. Then God said, let the waters teem 
with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And listen, the second heaven is outer space, right? You know, all the rockets that keep taking off every, every week, going up and putting all this junk up in the atmosphere, right? around the earth, all this stuff is supposed to help us, right? Outer space. Genesis 15, 5. God talked to Abram, who later became Abraham. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars. You are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And then the third place, the third heaven is the place is the dwelling place of Almighty God. In 1 Kings 8.30, listen to the supplication of your servant and your people Israel. When they pray toward this place, here in heaven, your dwelling place, hear and forgive. And Acts 7.55, let's bring it up a little bit. Think, remember Stephen when he was being stoned. Being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen being full of the Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Three heavens. Heaven is an actual place. It's not a state of consciousness or unconsciousness. It's an actual literal place. It's outside of time and space as we know time and space. Where we are going to another dimension. It's another place. It's outside. We can't wrap our little minds around it, but it's outside of time and space. When believers die, guess what? They are transported there immediately. Immediately. When we are raptured, it will be immediate. At the last trumpet, it says the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then all of us that are alive and remain in Christ will be caught up in the air. To be with the Lord forever, we shall always be with Jesus. Amen. In an instant. Being an Air Force guy, flying. I always thought about it. I said, man, it's going to make a big old ruckus on this earth. When everybody's raptured out of here, I believe we're going to break the sound barrier. There's going to be a sonic boom like this world ain't never heard. You think the shuttle just makes the sound barrier with you? Everybody's gone. At one time, it's going to be amazing, right? Rock the world, right? For Jesus. Mm. Mm Chapter 20, verse 11. 
God will create a new heaven and he will create a new earth. In Isaiah 65, verse 17, I want to write that down. For behold, he says, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. They'll be done away with completely, the old things. Isaiah 66, 22, for just as the new heavens and the new earth which I made will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. Think about this. What Isaiah predicted thousands of years ago has come past at this time in the scripture. In John's vision, it is a reality, and we get to experience it firsthand, church. Amen? We're going to experience all this as believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to experience it. This new is a new in quality. It's not remanufactured. It's not rebuffed. It's not remade over. It's not like the reality shows. It's not a makeover deal. It's going to be brand spanking new. Everything's going to be new. All things are new. All things become new. Listen, the first heaven and earth passed away. Can you imagine in this new earth that there's no sea? Can you imagine no oceans? Think about no oceans. Our world is made up of what? Water. Three quarters water, right? Mostly water. 70% so is water. Think about how vital water is to survival. But our new glorified bodies won't require water. We will experience a completely different life principle. Something we can't even imagine in our minds. It transcends our thinking for sure. Amen? Climate change will be not an argument. Amen? No argument about climate change. I don't argue climate change. It happens. Climate changes every day. We know it. We knew it this morning. Amen? Climate change right here. I was wearing a jacket now. I'm proud to take it off. Let me pray to you. But think about it. Beyond our comprehension right now, but it will be fantastic for us that are saved. I want you to be encouraged this morning. What heaven looks like. We're getting more into detail about what heaven looks like later. More specifically. Number two, heaven's holy city. Write down heaven's holy city. Ah, this is awesome, man. I was reading this here. I'm, like, I'm just rejoicing in my spirit, in my heart, in my mind. You know, we need to be part of the Holy City. You and I, as believers. I think that's the first place you and I go is to the Holy City. When you leave here. Verse 2, it says, And I saw the Holy City, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Here we see the capital city of the eternal state in new heaven, in a brand new heaven. The New Jerusalem is an actual city. It's heaven's capital city itself. This is the third city. You know that name, Jerusalem? This is the third city named Jerusalem. There are three Jerusalems in Scripture. You might want to write it down. A, a, I think A in your notes is there's, there's the historic Jerusalem. It's called the City of David. The historic Jerusalem. The City of David. Which exists currently where? In Palestine. Amen? B, the second city is restored Jerusalem. Restored Jerusalem. Now this is a remodeled Jerusalem where Jesus reigns for a thousand years. He's going to redo that city. It's going to be pretty awesome. We'll get to see that done. For a thousand years, 
And then there's the new Jerusalem that we're talking about now. It does not belong. The new earth, the new Jerusalem, all this does not belong to this creation that we have today. So it's not a historical millennial city. It's a brand new eternal city. It will be called the holy city because everyone and everything in this city is going to be holy. Everyone and everything is going to be holy. Think about this. We will all live together in perfect unity. I don't know whether to laugh or cry or shout hallelujah. What? I'm like, amen, yes. Think about this, right? Perfect unity. We're going to have perfect relationships. We're going to have perfect activity, perfect responsibility, perfect community, perfect in cooperation. It's going to be perfect. Something we have never experienced before. Amen? Amen. And we know that, right? Here. Oh, flesh and man that I am. Wretched man that I am, right? We are wretched people right now. Wait for the return of our King. The city John sees coming down out of heaven, right? Listen, that city exists today. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, for we, for he was looking for a city. Paul was right. I don't know if it's Paul, but anyway, we're not sure if it's exactly Paul. I kind of think it's Paul. But we're looking for a city which is foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Hebrews 12, 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to my myriads of angels, <laughs> can you imagine? To the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, amen? And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. All of heaven, listen, all of heaven is currently contained in the new Jerusalem. Separated from this present universe outside of time and space. It's where Jesus had gone. In John 14, chapter 14, verse 1, when he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If, I were, if it were not so, I would have told you. That's why he says, For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. When you die in this life, I believe Jesus personally comes for you Woo! and takes you home. Amen? I don't know how he does that, but he's got it. He's got it. He's worked it all out. Amen? It'll be awesome. See, but when God creates the new heaven and new earth, uh, this city will descend into the midst of the holy new universe. As we will read here later in verse 10, this will serve as a dwelling place for all the redeemed of all eternity. He said it was made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Where did we hear that about a few weeks ago? Amen? It is a picture of the bride. And why? Because it contains the bride of Christ. Who's the bride of Christ? We are the church. We're the bride of the living Christ. And it takes on her character, right? That's who we are. Remember the Jewish wedding this was the type of consummation that we're seeing here. The eternal state for believers. This is just not the body of Christ, the church, but also the rest of all the redeemed of all time. will be together. And it will be consummated with Him. We will all live together forever and ever in that holy city. Amen? 
Next, we have number three, it's supreme reality. Here it is, folks, it's real. It's real. It's real. The thought came to me just now, thinking about my brother Tim who passed in October to be in heaven. And we were in the hospital, and he was staring at my, at me, eyeball to eyeball. He locked his eyeballs with mine, and he took his hand and he was laying in that bed. You know what he told me? He said, he took, he hold, held his hand up like this and said, brother, he said, heaven is this close. I'll never forget that. It's closer than we think. He said, bro, he said, bro heaven is this close. This close. I was like, mm. it's real. Here's the supreme glory, the presence of God is everything in heaven. I heard a loud voice in the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. I love this. The supreme glory and the presence of God is everything in heaven for us. Psalm 73, 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, he says, I desire nothing on earth. Can you say that? And finally, we will be in the literal presence of our Lord, our God. Think about this. He will pitch his tent among us. Hallelujah, right? And dwell among us. It's going to be better than with the children of Israel in the wilderness. No longer veiled in the human form of Jesus or pillar of fire by night or smoke by day by God. He will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. God is going to be with us. That is among all of us. God will manifest his presence to his people. This will be the fulfillment of everything that we've been waiting to see and to experience. The promise of God fulfilled to his people. What a divine promise. Think about that. Fulfilled in our presence. Amen? And listen, here's the first thing. The first thing is we will enjoy fellowship with him. We're going to have fellowship with him like we've never had before. Full fellowship with him forever with no limitations. None. Second, we as believers will see God as he is in his shining glory. Amen? And it won't hurt your eyes. Like these lights do sometimes. Revelation 21, 23, the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it and his lamp is the lamb. Third, we will worship God. We will worship God. The redeemed and the angels worshiping God together. Can you imagine that? We have seen that all through the messages of the book of Revelation as we've gone through it. Fourth, we as believers, listen, will serve God there. You want to know what you're going to be doing there? You're going to serve the Lord. Whatever it is He wants, you're going to serve Him. You're going to do it. Revelation 22, we'll get there later. 22.3 says, there will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bond servants, that you and I, 
will serve Him. Amen? Whatever it is, we're going to serve Him. That's why I always say, if you're not serving, what are you doing? You're swerving. We gotta serve. We think you're gonna do it in heaven. You gonna float around the cloud and play ukulele? I see. Think about it. Number four. Let's talk about its uniqueness. It's unique. Verse 4, 21, he says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write. <laughs> John, I cracked up. Write, for these words are faithful and true. John, write. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Life will be exceptionally different in heaven than anything you and I will ever experience on this planet down here. First, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen? Isaiah 25, 8 says, He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. Hallelujah. And He will remove the reproach of His people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Why? Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that you? Is that me? Amen. There will be an absence of anything to worry or be concerned with. Amen? How do you like them apples, right? Listen, if you were worrying down here, just stop it. Quit worrying about little things that don't matter down here. Only that matters is Jesus. We worry over some of the frivolous things that we don't need to worry about. So stop it. Don't worry. Quit worrying, right? Put your faith and trust in the Lord. Be obedient to the Lord. Humble yourself before a mighty God. We worry too much. There will be no sadness there, no disappointment, no pain, no tears of regret, listen, no hurt, or, if, or, or for any other reason, nothing is going to be there like that. Nothing. No death. Nothing. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He took care of all the sin. It's a done deal. It's gone. We're in heaven. And listen, here, we need to act like we're in heaven. We need to live like we're in heaven. Perfect holiness in the absence of sin. Amazing. Life in heaven will be unique. Everything previous, the old life, the old work, the old pain, the mourning, the crying, will be gone forever. Brand new it will be. No decay, no decline, no waste. He says, behold, I am making all things new. Can you picture John? I must have felt taking this in. Revelation 21, 5, and he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right for these words are faithful and what? True. See, that's where I imagine John is frozen here in all. Isaiah 44, 6 says, Thus says the Lord, King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, I am the last, and there is no God besides me. God is the one who began our history, and He alone is the one who will finish it. Right according to His plan, He's never early, He's never late, He's always what? On time. So we're worrying about this life. He tells us over and over, 
Don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, what your life is going to be like tomorrow, today. Quit worrying. Put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Do what you can do for each day. Take care of yourself, right? We need to just be, just be still sometimes and just listen to God's Word. The next feature we see in the last one, or not the last one, second last one, a new heaven and earth is heaven's residence. Number five, heaven's residence. In verse 6, says, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water a life without cause. He who overcomes, listen, will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Or daughter. First we see our citizenship in heaven. That person described as one who thirsts for God or for righteousness. In Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness. And he says, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled, satisfied. Do you crave holiness this morning? Do you crave holiness? Are you dissatisfied with hopelessness, lost condition, and crave God's righteousness in every part of your being? Do you crave holiness this morning? Psalm 421 says, As the deer pants for water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Second, heaven belongs to he who overcomes. He who overcomes. Who is an overcomer? 1 John 5, 4 tells us, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, our faith, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He is Lord. He is God. We've got to understand Jesus is God. And died for us. The best promise to the one who overcomes and thirsts for righteousness is God's promise for all of us. He says, I will be his God. And he will power for all these words. He will be my son. And he will be my daughter. How much he loves you. Our adoption will be fully realized when we get to heaven. Lastly, number six, the outcast. Verse eight, but for the cowardly and unbelieving abominable murderers and moral persons, sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be what? In the lake of fire, at birth with fire and fire, which is the second death. This is a sad reality of every person who rejects God and his son. God, just like here, listen, in this verse, gives us warning after warning after warning. He goes through a millennial reign and the gospel is being declared. People get saved, but people are also rejecting Christ. Even in the millennial reign. Listen, you have to go to hell and be eternally separated from God on your own. God has made a way for every single person. He never sends anyone to hell. He does everything he can to provide opportunity after opportunity for you and for me. To know Him, to own Him as our Savior, Redeemer, best friend, your daddy, your almighty God. He's all that and more. Yet the second death is horrible here in contrast to the joy that awaits every believer. You must choose eternal torment or heavenly bliss forever. He's an omnipotent God. 
He sets up things as he deems necessary to fulfill the plan that he has already set in motion. Omnipotent, he is all-powerful. He never goes against his nature or his character. He loves you and he loves me with everlasting love. He gives us every opportunity to know him. You must decide yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. It's your decision. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming together this morning. Lord, it's my prayer, Lord Jesus. turn 
up to you. Full heart, being all in with the whole heart. I trust you this morning as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into me. Help me, Lord, to know what to do next. And Lord, I want to serve you the best way I know how. Teach me, Lord, your ways. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your word. Help me to know you more and more, Jesus, every day as I live my life from this day forward. I trust you with all that I am for all that you are. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for my Christian brothers and sisters here this morning. For it's my prayer that you would touch their hearts this morning. Help them to walk humbly in your presence, Father. Help them to get rid of let go of the garbage that's in their life. Help them, Jesus, to put it all on the altar. And allow you to be the Lord, commanding the Lord in their life. I thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Father, take your word as you watered it. Let it do a perfect work in everybody's heart and mind. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's made a decision, Lord, I'm available here in the foyer to privately go with them and celebrate with them and let them know what, they need, what their next steps are. So Lord Jesus, you know who you've worked on and you know who is submitted to you. I pray God you do your perfect work. We give you praise and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' most precious name. And all God's children say what? Amen. 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 Hey, I, I, I want to take a minute. Can I take a minute? Here for a minute? Come here, baby. Come here. I want to bring this young man up. I love Adrian with all my heart. Come on up here. Come on up here. So listen, I love Adrian very much. And I'm going to tell you what. This young man battles. 